Before we dive into the rich world of women's health, let's take a moment to appreciate the beauty and culture that Melbourne offers. Melbourne, often dubbed the cultural capital of Australia, boasts stunning architecture, world-class cuisine, and a warm, diverse community. Whether you're a local or visiting for the first time, I encourage you to explore and experience everything this remarkable city has to offer. Now, without further ado, please join me in giving a warm Melbourne welcome to Dr. Bola Sogade. Thank you so much for having me. Fearless as women of childbearing age to the late teens to early 40s. At this age, women are concerned about their reproductive health. Again, polycystic ovaries still comes into play, but women can have chronic pelvic pain and they need to be evaluated for a condition called endometriosis. Also, there can be a pelvic inflammatory disease from uh, sexually transmitted illnesses when they were teenagers. So they need to seek fertility help early and there can be pregnancy related issues, miscarriages, pregnancy in the wrong places like ectopic pregnancy and high blood pressure. I wanna make a mention of fibroids because they're common in this age. And these are fibroids that I personally removed from a woman. There are about 60 fibroids there. So fibroids are very common in reproductive age. They cause abnormal, heavy bleeding. And um, not all women experience symptoms and not all women need treatment. But this particular patient of mine, all those fibroids had to come out. And then also at this age, women are thinking, family planning, um, they're starting their careers, there's stress and anxiety, they've had children, there's postpartum depression, um, there's still weight gain. And at this time, women are old enough to have developed pre-existing chronic conditions like diabetes, hypertension, that need to be treated during these childbearing years. Also, this is the time, the late teens, that is the point in life where women achieve their highest bone density and strength. So this typically occurs in the late teens and early 20s. So we want to make sure they're paying attention to their bone health. And they need to be aware of infectious diseases, get all their vaccinations. Um, breast health is very important. Women need to know how to do their own self-breast examination because they can do that every day before they see their doctor once a year or have their mammograms, which begins at the age of 40. Again, mental and emotional well-being. This is the stage in which women are having babies, raising a family, and they need to make sure that they're coping with stress. Also, this is the time in which we talk about nutrition. Um, we want to make sure that women are eating healthily. They're exercising. Just walk 30 minutes every day for most days of the week. Again, avoiding alcohol, not to start smoking, especially as they are trying to conceive and keeping up to date with their vaccinations, especially as they are trying to conceive. And then I talk about the cervical health here. Pap smears, very important. Regular pap smears, we start at the age of 21. Okay, so there's no need to do a pap smear before 21. And after the age of 30, you can do the pap smear every three years 
Or if you do an additional test called an HPV test, you can do it every five years. And we usually stop the pap smear about the age of 65 if the women have had normal pap smears. And then also, this is the age in which women get pregnant and have their babies. So, and this is one of the babies that we delivered at the birthing center with her mom. And that zip code is 31029 for site Georgia. But we want to let women know this is the time to get regular, early and regular prenatal care. And then definitely fearless in menopause. These are the questions that women as they reach menopause should ask. They have to have their regular checkups. This is a time things tend to grow and develop. They need to exercise. They need to do all their preventive screening, get qualified help, uh, maintain a strong support system. This is not the time to fight with all your girlfriends and be isolated and seek medical advice when necessary. So in the menopause, okay, which, um, Usually the age is the age of 51. That's the average age of menopause in the United States. And for most women, there's a lot of hot flashes, night sweats, mood swings, painful intercourse, vaginal dryness. There's a higher risk of heart disease. And then the bones try to become weak because of the declining estrogen level. And this is when we women have the battle of the bulges. Just trying to maintain a healthy weight becomes more difficult. And again, breast cancer risk increases. So regular breast exams. Uh, this is when women go through, you know, life changes, you know, with um, jobs, career change, children, spouses. So mental health is very important. This is when women can also develop diabetes from, you know, excess weight. And also this is when things like pelvic organ prolapse, things can start falling down and uh, this needs to be addressed. Also at this stage, changes in libido, this can impact relationships and can, can cause divorce or separation. So this needs to be addressed at the clinical level. Every woman needs to be aware of their individual cancer risk. So if there's a family history, for instance, of breast or colon cancer, then that woman is at increased risk and her screening schedule needs to change. And also this is when their vision changes. Uh, there's difficulty focusing on closed objects and women need to be screened for glaucoma, which can lead to blindness if it's not treated. Also, this is the time when we have bladder control issues and weakened pelvic floor. There are medications and non-invasive treatment for this. So women should not just let that go. They need to get that evaluated. And so also joint pain, arthritis prevents exercise. It can affect mobility, but we tell women to walk, walk more and seek help. Digestive health constipation. And then when there's changes in the bowel activity, we need to think about bowel cancer. So in that infographic there, 46% of, of people diagnosed with bowel cancer are females. These are Australian statistics. And you want to start your screening, whether it's checking for occult blood in this tool 
or doing a colonoscopy, the age for screening has changed. It's now 45, it used to be 50. And then being female, okay? So that's the third thing on our topic. So women need to examine their own body periodically. You know, know when you are gaining excessive weight, check your neck for thyroid nodules. And, um, you know, if you're feeling unusually tired or you have pale skin, well, do you have anemia? If you feel skin changes on your breast, it might not be normal. If you have a vaginal sore that doesn't go away, at this age, it needs to be biopsied. And then go with lab testing recommended by your doctor. We talk about the pap smear. We talk about just having a complete blood count can give the doctor a lot of information as to what is going on in the body. Get recommended imaging. If you're having abnormal bleeding or pelvic pain, ask your doctor for an ultrasound. We usually do a transvaginal ultrasound. And in young adolescents that have not achieved koitaki, we do a transabdominal ultrasound. And if the ultrasound does not give any information, we do some more testing in the office. So encourage your doctor to do a lot of things like a hysteroscopy in an office setting. And then eventually you can have an MRI. These are all non-invasive tests before you can have uh, more invasive. So we start with non-invasive before invasive. And this, I think it's, uh, let me see if I can play that video. So this is a poly. This was to show, show you how we remove one of the things that cause bleeding, which is a poly. Oh, there. Okay. So this is going inside the uh, uterus from below. And this is inside the womb. And this is one of the issues that can cause abnormal bleeding, as small as it is, is that little structure called a polyp. And we remove this in a very simple procedure. And we send it for pathologic examination. You can see it's, it's red and angry. And we just snare it like that. And, um, you know, end of story. The, the, the bleeding becomes regular. And um, that situation is solved, okay? So also, anytime we remove things, we want to check to make sure it's not cancer at this age, you know? And so if there's abnormal bleeding that we cannot explain, we want to do a biopsy to check whether it's cancer or pre-cancer. And any woman with abnormal bleeding older than 45, this needs to be done as first line. We also do an endometrial sampling in younger people that just keep bleeding and we've tried everything. But if they have obesity, uh, then we, you want to know, you want to know if there's a pre-malignant condition. And then if you have any mass or ulcer that does not go away at this stage, it needs to be biopsied. And then we want to encourage lifestyle changes for women at this stage. You want to make sure you get your first uh, mammogram at the age of 40 and repeat your mammogram every one to two years. Okay. And we usually continue this until the age of 75. So your doctor told you it's time to schedule a mammogram. You probably have some questions like, will this take all day? Will I have to hold an uncomfortable position? Okay. Want to know what to really expect your first time? First of all, wear a two-piece outfit so you only have to remove your top. 
Give your beauty products the day off. Think of the x-ray machine as your friend. You'll give it a quick hug as it compresses your breasts between two flat paddles. The machine will use a safe, low-dose x-ray to take multiple images of each breast. The paddles might be a bit cold and you could be a little uncomfortable, but the good news is the procedure only takes about 20 seconds per image. And that's it. Schedule your yearly mammogram around your birthday so it's easy to remember. After all, taking care of your health is the best gift you can give yourself. So we encourage the women to get their mammogram. And also being female, uh, I encourage people to ask for their doctor's credentials. This is me getting um, periodic training on um, neonatal resuscitation. And so asking your doctor about their credentials is a responsible step. Of course, you ask in a respectful, non-confrontational manner. And they know that most healthcare providers are willing to share that information with you. And knowing your doctor's credential is part of being an informed and proactive patient, okay? So you want to make sure that the doctor is properly trained and licensed for what they want to do. It builds trust and confidence. And then you can have a sense of the different treatment options and approaches that your doctor is qualified to offer. Also, it gives you peace of mind. And if you are going to undergo complex treatment, understanding your doctor's credential can be important when seeking a second opinion. And so we're coming to the end of the presentation. I also represent the Birth Center Foundation, and we give a lot of devices and materials to women that need it. So this is me with one of our other classmates in Nigeria, giving equipment for women that need it and cannot afford it. And we also do this podcast. This is a short clip also. It's a women's education podcast. What does a pediatric hematology oncology doctor do? And I am looking at a Dr. Sue's cap in your bookshelf behind you. Can you tell us about these things? Okay. So, uh, so my name is Dr. Sue, and so I just, because I'm pediatric, I think like a child, and uh, I enjoy Dr. Sue's books. So that is a cat in the hat, red and white type of hat. Um, I could go reach for it and grab it and put it on. This is a, <laughs> this is a short video. It's coming to an end. There we go. Um, so this, I, I sometimes will do this for like, health fairs or children's parties or something like that, just to just to be silly and have fun. Well, that was the presentation. If time for question and answers. All right. Did you yeah. want us to go to questions then? Um, we yeah. can, um, yes. So we've got a question straight off the bat. Yeah. Yes, I'll, I'll take questions now. Thank you. Yes, I have a question. Okay. I have always been interested when you say that you are when you're doing your minimal invasive robotic surgery. Right. What do you mean by that? What kind of stuff do you remove with the yeah? Can you just give us a brief idea about what that means? Yeah, so first of all, I encourage any woman that has any condition to first of all try to resolve it medically. And if you can, if you need surgery, then look for 
a doctor that does very minimally invasive procedures. So even the video of the hysteroscopy I showed you was a minimally invasive procedure. But for the robotic surgery, women have like the fibroids that I showed you, those were removed by minimally invasive robotic surgery. So instead of cutting a woman open with large incisions, we use very small incisions about the width of my finger. And there are maybe four of those incisions on a woman's tummy. And we use a big machine, okay, called a Da Vinci robot. And we place all these little instruments on the woman's abdomen and we perform very complex procedures. Like we remove those 65 fibroids that I showed you, or we remove the uterus and we remove everything from below, okay? Especially the big pathology. We close all these small incisions. The blood loss is very little, like about half of a teacup of blood loss compared to when we used to lose about 300 cc's. And the women can go home the same day because we've used small incisions. They're not in so much pain. They can get up and go about their lives and recover quickly. And because they're getting up and moving, they're not forming a clot at the back of their legs. There's no chance for a deep vein thrombosis with the clot going to the lungs and causing problems. And because incisions are small, there's no wound infection. So this is what I encourage women to, if they need major surgery, so always look for a doctor that performs things in a minimally invasive way. So thank you for that question. Stephen, did you have a question? Oh, or anybody else? Any question? Thank oh, you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I see that. Mamude, did you call oh, you clapping? Um, yeah, she's clapping. I'll just clap. I'll just clap. I thank you for your presentation because some of these things are things I've heard before. Yes. But I think it was delivered in a different dimension. So, yeah, yeah thank you. Thank you. Thank mm. you so much for having me. Doctor, uh, just Hiroshima? before you head off, sorry, I, I, I've got a question. My name's Yvonne. Um, yeah. That was that was an excellent presentation. Thank mm-hmm. you. And there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of us that are uh, approaching the age of 51 or are just on the other side of the age of 51, mm-hmm. and you've given us a lot, a lot to think about in regards to our health. Right. But um, it, it sounds that approaching the 50s uh, for women is quite uh, negative. Is there anything positive now medically about turning 50 or does it become all a bit downhill for us poor women? <laughs> oh, no. And there's actually, I did a podcast about that, actually, um, because women, as they get older, they think they're not relevant anymore. Everything is shrinking and shriveling. No, this is the age in which uh, I see some men nodding. Yeah, no, you know, this is the age in which women are more experienced generally in life. You know, they've, you know, raised children or accomplished things in their careers. And, you know, nowadays you can actually slow the aging process. And one of the ways to slow the aging process, believe it or not, is simple activity, being very active, being very, you know, just watchful of what you eat. And, you know, that's number one. And then when things happen to the body, now we have a lot of safe medications and new technology to address things. So I want the women to embrace menopause and enjoy it. You know, this is this is the stage of life. I am there and I experience some of the symptoms, but you know, it's good, you know, you are getting mature, 
you know, as long as you are healthy and exercising, eating well, you can actually slow down that aging process. Yes. Oh, that's excellent news to hear. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Yvonne. Um, I'll hand over to Seema to provide the word of thanks. Uh, thank you, Jas. Oh, wow, Dr. Wala, you wear so many hats. That's just really admirable. And you are an inspiration for all of us. You raise so many important issues like, you know, relating to women of all ages. Personally, I picked up a number of things, you know, to share with my daughter, use myself and also to share with my mom. And I was so pleased to know that there are newer medications for some of the issues that, you know, women face and they probably just live with it. So that's really good to know. And you mentioned self-care. That is so important, but we get so busy in our day-to-day life, so we forget to do that. So it's great to get a reminder. And uh, yeah, lastly, I really like the slides and the videos you showed. It made the presentation even more interesting. So on behalf of our club members, I'd like to thank you for taking our time tonight to speak to us, you know, about some of the issues that women are facing and how we can tackle them. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Dr. Shola, for putting this together. And thank you for, for the men that stayed through this and bore <laughs> with me. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you.